Thanks for tuning in to another THP podcast powered by Dakota Lithium. Sitting down here, getting ready to do a podcast with Ben Dedamonti, who you may know as Shed Crazy on Instagram or YouTube. Ben's doing something really cool right now. He's trying to find a shed in every state. So all 50 states, he's going down the list and trying to check off finding a shed in every one. And I think that's super cool, super unique. I don't think there's many people, if anyone, that's ever done that before. So in general, Ben's content's really hilarious. If you guys aren't familiar with his content, you can check the description. I'll put a link down there. His personality and sense of humor just cracks me up, so I'm sure we're going to have some good laughs. Also, last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers, and that's why we've partnered with the social platform Go Wild to help combat mainstream social media's censorship. Go Wild's a free social community where your photos are not censored, and they're actually encouraged. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started and join a social community that was built for hunters and anglers just like you. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Let's get Ben on the line. Oh, dang. You got headphones. You're serious about this. <laughs> well, somewhat. I like to have fun with it. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. Just from watching your content, I just feel like we're going to have a good conversation. <laughs> really just want to keep it loose, have fun. That's my objective. Yeah, man. Sounds great. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've been watching your guys' stuff for quite a while, and uh, I like I like the way you guys do things, man. I like that you guys are always driving around like shitbox cars. <laughs> Kind of like when I knew I'm like, ah, oh, this is my kind of people. Yeah, dude. First off, tell everybody listening, watching a little bit about yourself and just how you got into creating content because I found your stuff and started watching it. Uh, love it. Think it's hilarious. Mostly right. that's, that's my favorite part. And yeah, I know you have a cool story. So I want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, uh, I got like obsessed with shed hunting, maybe like 15 years ago, I got really geeked out on it. And, uh, like Instagram was just kind of getting rolling and every, like the cool thing to do was to start a hunting brand page, right? Like you would have your personal Instagram where you'll like post family photos and whatnot, food. And then, uh, like, you know, you start a hunting page and that's like, I wanted to always have some sort of a place like that. And I was just geeked out on shed. So I, uh, I really like this page called Muley crazy. And I'm like, well, I'll just do shed crazy because I'm not creative enough to find out, like, you know, think of something better. But, um, and back in those days, everybody would like share your page and everybody wanted to follow everybody. And it just kind of popped really quick. And, um, I would basically like, I was working for my dad at the time. I spent way too much time screwing around on my phone. I wasn't a very good employee and, uh, I would get off work and, like on a Friday and I would drive all night to go find shed somewhere. And then like through the week I would post all the photos that I found. And that kind of like started me on the path, creating content. And I always had these ideas for YouTube videos I wanted to make just screwing around. And I saw like hunting becoming this super serious thing where people were like trying to be the ultimate badass and show everybody how tough they were. Like I didn't fit that mold at all. So I'm like, I just want to be the dude that makes it fun for everybody. And that shows everybody like, the good times of hunting is just screwing around with your buddies. So I just started making stupid videos, posted them on Instagram. Uh, and then I decided uh, to try to do it full time. I didn't have a whole lot going on career wise. Like I was trying to go to paramedic school and then I realized like I didn't want to be a firefighter. So um, I just kind of quit. Yeah. <laughs> um, just decided to pull the trigger on, on content really. And, it was a little more calculated than that. Like we took some time and got totally out of debt. Um, but I was working as a custodian at a high school, had tons of time um, on the clock. I would make stupid videos every day and um, started getting some partnerships and stuff going. And I'm like, I can do this full time. So I, so I quit my job to do it. And that was like six years ago now. And uh, when I quit, I hit up um, actually Eric from Hush hit me up and he's like, dude, you have to YouTube this. Like people are going to want to watch this. So, I started doing YouTube videos and I've been doing a couple videos a week for like six years. So it's kind of gets us to where we're at now, man. Just screwing around with a phone in my hand. Yeah, that's awesome. There's several parts of that that I like. Number one being 
not fitting the mold of making hunting this badass epic adventure all the time. Sometimes it's, you know, just rolling out and, you know, trying to call something in or glass something, you know, right off the road. And there's nothing wrong with that either. And I think that's where both our content and your content, like it just is relatable. I, yeah, totally. I, I like that goal. Having that goal in mind is like, how can we make it relatable? And every hunt's different, but you know, trying to make it always this epic adventure seems silly to me as well. <laughs> yeah, it seems like people end up overselling it all the time, like trying to add in details to make it like I don't know. Me and my buddy Troy made this uh video one time shooting rock chucks. And like we our whole goal was to over like dramatize the whole thing. We made up this storyline about hitting this trophy rock truck and we couldn't find it and had to stay on the blood trail for like seven minutes and it was just this killer thing. Like I always like that stuff better. And then I realized too, like it sets a lower bar. Like you don't have to constantly be killing the biggest animal and just crushing, like punching tons of tags. You can just go out there and hunt how you want to hunt. And then people like to watch it. And then when you do succeed, people are like, Oh man, you pulled it off. And it feels a lot more like, I don't know, a lot more like the style of hunting that normal people would Mm do. I think that's what I get out of watching your content is just the type of stuff that we're going to do every year, you know, as hunters in general, we're just going to go on hunts with our friends. And I was watching one of your mule deer hunts and you were talking about how like some of your buddies had private land tags and you had a different tag and you guys were just, you know, out hunting deer. And I love that, man. I just sometimes think that, uh, the stories that are taking place sometimes are so blown out of proportion that it really just becomes comical to me. Like you start watching the hunting films and while I think the footage is really cool and I'm interested in pretty footage because I'm also a cameraman and an editor. I also think it's sometimes like, man, the music and the whole setting, like, is it really like that for y'all out there? Cause yeah. it's a lot goofier for me and my buddies. <laughs> yeah, no, man. It's like, do people really live life in S log or is it just like something that happens? I don't know. Like uh, it's, it's funny, man. And we, we, I mean, I get the most joy out of like just screwing around with my friends, man. We're joking back and forth on the radio, calling each other, screwing around, like pranking each other. That's, that's when I have the most fun. So mm-hmm. It's cool to go on those epic adventures and see beautiful, crazy places too. But mm-hmm. I mean, on the daily, it's just not really like that. Right, right. Yeah, I often look for other hunting content and I feel currently extremely burnt out on just trying to find just regular hunting videos, you know, mm-hmm. just something that's, you know, fun, joking with your buddies. And like another scene that I was laughing at just a little bit ago as I was watching, uh, one of your more recent shed hunting videos from Mississippi and you've got the cheap Walmart pants on and you ninja kick and rip them. It's like that made me laugh out loud because that's the type of stuff that happens out there, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. That, I mean, wearing frog togs to Mississippi was just the poorest decision I've ever made anyway. Like I have super nice, legit rain gear, you know, like, and I forgot the pants. Classic. Yeah. Like, it looked like an adult diaper about 10 minutes into that walk, just shredded <laughs> all the briars and everything. It was, it was doomed, doomed for failure from the beginning. Uh, what specifically about shed hunting hooked you on the sport of specifically sheds? For me, it was like a way to extend the hunting season. So, you know, I never had the money to hunt out of state. I never had the time. I was always working and, um, you know, like the idea of paying $500 for a deer tag to go to Arizona or something was just like not really attainable. And, uh, it just was a way that like, we want to get our hunting fix in, you know, in the springtime, like we didn't even really chase turkeys or anything. We just decided like sheds is going to be it. And we started traveling to do it. And then also, you know, the added bonus of being able to maybe pay yourself back and pay your gas money for going out there and, and doing it was a big incentive for us because mm-hmm. When I really, really got heavy into it, I was just first married and, and just broke. And so if you could go out and pick up five, six elk sheds, then you cover your fuel and get a couple hundred bucks to buy maybe another piece of gear or fund the next trip. So it just it just checked all the boxes. Plus, I like the fact that like you could do it any Saturday all year long. Doesn't matter. There's always sheds on the ground. And where we live in the West with so much public land, like you can always find some place to go find an antler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a... a- cool aspect of it for sure is there's like no tag expense 
yep. and the incentive to sell them. And it's something that uh, us Eastern folk, I grew up in Ohio, and when I was a kid, finding a shed was this huge deal. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to sell a shed seems so crazy to people that have, <laughs> you know, not found a ton of them. And I, and I want to talk about that a little bit later, but it is a, a realistic thing. And if you're finding a lot of sheds, I mean, yeah, at some point, what are you, what are you going to do with all of them? Like selling them is a great option, especially to yep. fund your trips and everything like that. And the other thing that I think is cool about shed hunting is the stress of success goes away a little bit. Like you don't have yeah. the tag cost invested in it. You're just going mm-hmm. out with your buddies. You're not trying to be quiet. You're just going out and goofing off, right? Like right. you get with a group of buddies and you go shed hunting. It's like, okay, we're going to go walk around and have fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a camping trip with the boys and yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, success can be one antler, you know, it just depends like on the day, depends what you're trying to do. And I always thought like, I always had keeper antlers that I didn't want to sell stuff that was more sentimental or whatever. I have some that I'll never sell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, you know, when we were going down to, to Arizona to shed hunt, even 10, 10 years ago, it was a totally different ball game. Like it wasn't uncommon to find 15 or 20 in a couple day rip. So you maybe end up with one keeper out of all those. And the rest of them are just normal, normal antlers that are worth about a hundred bucks a piece. So you just flip those over to the buyer real quick. That's crazy. You find some dinky little four point side, you know, when you're yeah. a kid and you're like, you know, this may be one of the only ones I ever find. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's sheds that we have like at my parents that I've kept over the years that I don't I'm like, I don't really even remember that. And it's kind of surprising. Right. Now there's some that had more of an impact on me. Like it was, maybe it was the first, you know, light bulb of uh, a new area of like, that's a, that's a place I want to hunt. But, yeah, you know, otherwise, you know, after a while you spend enough time in the woods, you find enough of those and you're just like, eh, I yeah, I don't really have a need for that one anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. How many keychains do I need? Or how exactly. many can I hang off my mirror in my truck? Like, <laughs> What about shed hunting sticks out to you that has helped you become a better hunter? Because certainly spending time around the habitat of the animals you're pursuing helps you and teaches you things. Yeah, for sure. And we're usually traveling to better units to shed hunt that we don't get to hunt that often. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily targeting like a specific animal or anything, even though that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but we mostly just learn like how to better target those elk in the late seasons, especially um, because you learn specifically what kind of feed they prefer um, on the winter range, where they go when there's any type of snow, uh, where they go when they get pressured. Uh, you learn a lot about their migration routes and their patterns by finding antlers um, you know, they'll drop smaller bulls will drop on the way back to the summer range. And so you can figure out where they're heading and where they're moving. And then you learn a lot just about their daily travel routes too. Like, especially on elk, I found sets, you know, one side, you'll pick it up, clear up on the snowy face. And then the other side, clear down the flat. And you're like, man, I never would have thought they were dropping off of those faces, but sometimes they do. We do hunt some local mule deer, like in the desert. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a lot of the times the first, knowledge you have of a buck is through finding a shed and you just know that there's something in that area. Then you're trying to figure out if he migrates in or if he's a resident deer. So it starts the scouting process on a lot of deer. And, and there's a few deer that we've killed over the years that we found through shed hunting. Something that I notice, not necessarily specifically targeting sheds, but I do a lot of turkey hunting in the spring. Yeah. And I have realized that even if you're not going to hunt a spot, just seeing patterns in mm-hmm. how animals use terrain and, you know, food sources, like you mentioned, can yeah. be super helpful because you're just building that, like, data log, I guess, of yeah. you know, where you're seeing them. So even if you're not going to hunt there, you still can learn a ton about the animals because you're just getting experience seeing how deer can use the landscape. And I think that yeah. inevitably helps you become a better hunter. Yeah, Totally. Yep. And even like transitioning to whitetail sheds, which I, I've hunted whitetail sheds just only recently, you know, a lot. And just seeing like how those deer move is it's a completely different ball game. Like on, on mule deer and elk, the, the, the ways that you target those for sheds is it's just, it's totally different. Like whitetails love to run those edges of the timber, you know, 
They love those, those field edges. They like to get tucked up in the briars where they feel safe. And it's weird. Like it was totally starting over. Cause when I started walking for whitetail sheds, I was trying to hunt them like you'd hunt a mule deer. I'd be in the bottoms, you know, or walking spines and ridge tops and they can still be there too, but it's, it's, it's different. It's cool. Yeah. Tell everybody about your United Sheds of America tour. I think that's super unique. Very interesting. I think the videos are cool and talk about how you came up with that idea because at some point I think you'll pull it off. <laughs> I think so. We're, we're going hard on it. Um, I'm excited. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I started kind of throwing the idea around with a buddy of mine, like three or four years ago, just like how cool it'd be to, to say you had a shed from every state from all 50 states. And then, um, I really wanted to do it in 2020 and then everything got so screwed up with COVID. So I decided I just couldn't really mess with it then. Um, and I don't know why this year, um, I kind of got to the beginning of shed season Utah got shut down. Um, there's a lot of other shed closures in place and they're kind of getting extended with the deep snow and I could see the writing was on the wall. I needed to find something to do. Mm-hmm. And this idea just came back to me and I started looking at the logistics of it, started reaching out to people in places that I didn't know if I'd be able to find a shed. And then I went and pitched it to a bunch of partners, like without really even deciding if I was doing it or not. <laughs> and everybody jumped on board and I'm like, all right, I guess we're doing it. That's awesome. I remember coming home, I think about Western Hunt Expo, which is, you know, early February. I came home and I told my wife, I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing the 50 state shed tour. And she's like, did you think about asking me? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, yeah. Is that okay with you? She's like, I guess it better be now. Uh, she, she got on board and I pretty much started rolling as soon as Western hunt was over, started trying to knock out States and road tripping around and in the minivan and, and just going for it. So Dude, the minivan is so sick. I'm really considering picking up a minivan at some point. It's just too, like, it's just too good not to have one. They're, they're such a great hunting rig. If you think about they it. Are. Yeah. Like once you get past the stigma, right? like people being like you drive that piece of crap like once you get over that which for me i didn't ever care about that at all i always drove beaters i don't care one bit but um yeah it really is the most functional rig ever especially if you're not going to have to be off-road like Mm -hmm. if you can hunt like a lot of this this shed tour you know i'm pulling up to you know wmas and stuff that are just that you can pave road in pave road out doesn't matter Mm -hmm. and uh i took all the seats out of it i got like a exercise mat it's like two inch rubber mat in the back of it and cut it to fit the whole back. And so it's literally like a tiny motor home. I have a, a sleeping setup in there. I have a bunch of gear and like I can cook in there if I need to. And it cost me $600. Yeah. So that's sweet. It's perfect. Gets good gas mileage. Like I love it. I genuinely love it. And people think I'm just saying that cause I'm poor and I have to drive it or something, but I really, it's like my favorite vehicle. I can see where you would, fall in love with one i i watch a, a bunch of whitetail adrenaline i'm not sure if you're familiar with them or not but yeah a little they have vans over the years different vans and now you have the van and it's like man i don't know it would be cool to have even just as a second vehicle just some beater yeah. take on trips that you can get around i mean it's probably not functional in every situation but like you said there's tons of places where you can get around in a car i mean when we were First starting, all we had were cars, like yeah. actual, you know, two wheel front wheel drive cars. <laughs> <laughs> they sucked, but we got yeah. around most places. It was actually quite amazing how many places we got to with those little cars. And yeah, you know, find the right van. You never know. You might be able to get get yourself out of some situations. Oh yeah, man. We took that one mudding in Mississippi, like through some stuff that I thought was, I thought it was game over, but we, we pulled through and I have a, you know, I have a Tundra that I drive Western hunts, anything where I need to be off road. It's, you know, it's not super nice, but I can get around off road on that thing. So anything that I don't need to be mobbing in the rocks and stuff, I'll just roll, yeah, roll in the van. It's great. And for 600 bucks at the end of the day, if something happens to it, it's like, Right. You I'll know. just leave it and fly home. That's what I've always said that. Like, if it blows up along the way, like, all right. Scrap it and move on. Yep. Yeah. Find the <laughs> next one. So what uh, has been your strategy for the planning of it? I mean, obviously, there's closures and some of the stuff out west, mm-hmm. so you have to get a later start there. But is there a strategy that you have, or are you just kind of picking a spot and going? Uh, Kind of both. Like, I'm 
comfortable leaving the Western States till the summer. Cause I've shed hunted those enough. I know that I can go get antlers, you know, after the East is grown up. Mm-hmm. So my plan really has been just start knocking out places that I don't have any knowledge of and just seeing who I can have like for contacts. Um, I know the South, the South is already getting overgrown. I just got home from a tour through there. And so my goal is to knock out as much of that as I could early. Um, we're already kind of behind the eight ball there. I don't really know how I'm going to do like the East coast. Like I put a Google form up on my, uh, on my Instagram where people can fill out if they have knowledge or if they've shed hunted a state or if they want to get together for a hike. And people have been cool about reaching out and just being like, dude, come here, try this or, you know, so it's just really relying on a lot of the viewers. And then there's a bunch of States where I have no connections where I'm just going to look for pieces of public and try to do what I can. It's really cool thing that people are reaching out and like helping you out helping you know kind of encourage you to try certain things because i'm sure there's places out there that are super intimidating to tackle like the east coast and the south too like i feel like the south is challenging just in the fact that it's so different like yeah it's so much different than so much of the country just as far as vegetation goes and Mm -hmm. that would be intimidating to jump into by yourself for sure and even if, even if you have somebody, you know, encouraging you saying they're finding them, I'm sure that's still intimidating. Yeah, for sure. We just got back from Alabama and that was just like a whole world of difference. Like walking in the swamp, basically, <laughs> um, like five, six inches of standing water and palmettos and briars, cotton mouths, yeah. all this stuff I've never even messed with at all. So it was, it was intimidating, but luckily it was, uh, it was a good trip. It was fun. What are some of the other things that you didn't expect to be challenging, but have been? Um, I didn't expect briars, man. I didn't understand what those things are about. Like I came home from Mississippi and my hands are just so full of them. My knuckles and my elbows and my knees and everything just from fighting through those things. And, uh, I don't know. It's like trying to walk through barbed wire, like even, and I thought, oh, that'll be like a thing in the South. And then we went up to Wisconsin. They're everywhere up there too. So I think I'm just going to have to deal with those like any whitetail state, I guess, has the potential to have those stupid things. But, yeah, pretty much um, anything east of Colorado or Nebraska, yeah. maybe you're probably going to start running into stuff that's going to poke you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like we did uh, Texas in that same rip, and I'm like, there's no way anything could be thornier, pokier than Texas. But man, it just, I guess, everywhere is just like that. I'll have to deal with it. I'm going to look like a, I don't know, Edward Scissorhands for like a couple, <laughs> couple years. Dude, I don't know. When when I like go scouting or shed hunting in the east or like when we were younger we used to do a ton of rabbit hunting and mm-hmm. you just get in the rose and the green briar and whatever and you'd come out of it and just like yeah every inch of you know exposed skin completely shredded and then also my legs would always just be almost worse you know you can even have a decent pair of brush pants on it's like those things still get in yeah. there yeah they do i'll have to be a little more equipped next time i go <laughs> next time i go that way because i yeah i mean i'm still picking thorns out all over me so what has been the hardest state so far uh definitely mississippi yeah mississippi was it was super rough and uh um left without getting it done which which sucked and i I don't know when this podcast goes live but um in this week's video though we headed back for a little bit of redemption in mississippi and um we were able to to finally get it done so Sweet. Yeah, that one was rough though. It was, um, we did 22 miles of hiking between me and my buddy Les and he found one and, uh, I didn't find any. And the one he found, like we were both right there and in the video, I was debating so hard. I'm like, does this count? Is this the success of the group? And I put it out there on YouTube. I'm like, what do you guys think? Does this count? And everybody's like, no, <laughs> like, I feel like the people that watch my videos want it to be as hard as possible because like every time I've tried to pull that or this other video, all I found was a dead head. I'm like, come on guys. What do you think? Does it count? Everybody's like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> you guys Holding you me. accountable. Yeah. But it's been cool. And uh, yeah, Mississippi was rough. Arkansas. I was surprised too how rough Arkansas was. Um, well, it wasn't terribly rough. And then like we got it done fairly quick, but the lack of deer sign was crazy. And then it also had just barely got smashed by a tornado. Mm. And most of uh, the public that we wanted to hunt was shut down. So interesting. It was uh, it was it was tough in that way. Was that more river bottom stuff or hilly mountainous stuff? 
it was kind of mountainous. It was right there around Little Rock. And um, the place we wanted to go, it was shut down just mm-hmm. because of some tornado damage and then some stuff they were doing. And so we went just to a random like wildlife management area that was around a lake. And it was kind of rolling ridges, sloping down to the lake. But you're very limited because there's only just a few hundred yards of public around the lake. And uh, on that one, I guess I'm giving all these spoilers. It doesn't matter too much. But um, that one, like I literally walked on a spike antler maybe 200 yards out of the vehicles and then we hiked and hiked and hiked and there was no sign no nothing like just lucked out to even find that one so we just took our took our win and got in the van and kept driving <laughs> Dude, the spike antler is actually harder to find than you know just yeah. a big four point or something sitting there it's totally. like, yeah i don't think i've ever found a, a spike i found a couple splits white yeah. tail sheds but i've never found a spike so yeah this one was like that big and it was right at my feet i looked down i'm like oh man we got her <laughs> sweet. i've never that's the cool thing about the tour too is like i get so hyped to find just a little shed if it checks off a state you yeah. know like the relief is immense because now i don't have to come all the way back and try it again and it's made it fun too just i found just chewed up you know two-point antler in mississippi and i'm hooting hollering i was so excited well yeah because it's like that relief of you don't know if it's going to be you know, in five minutes or in six days or two years right. for that matter. Yeah. It's like in the video from Mississippi on your first trip, the weather was bad mm-hmm. too. And I know that feeling of just getting wet and be, you just feel beat up at the end of something yeah. like that. So I'm sure it's just a huge relief to actually find something and be like, okay, now we're done and we can leave this alone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And never come back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I might go hunt it though, honestly, because the, I mean, the antlers we found on that little piece of public were really nice. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about whitetail sheds and some of the things that you've noticed from that. What excites you about it the most? And like, what are some of the things that you think you would use if you were to go back to a place like Mississippi and hunt? Like, what are some of the things you picked up on? Well, that area there, like the couple antlers that we found, um, they were following a draw. They were headed to the ag. Like it was a pretty obvious travel corridor for those deer. And it's public land, you know, I think if I was to go back there, I don't know enough about whitetail hunting to know how to hunt it correctly, probably, but just with my beginners, you know, um, like being a beginner, I would just go hang a saddle in that corridor. And I bet you'd have a buck walk by if you were there during the right time of the year, you know, it seems like there's a lot of stuff like that. Like even some of the public that we found, um, in Kansas and some other places where it's like they're major deer traffic. So as somebody who, where if I were to go back and hunt it, I would just be, you know, throwing something at the wall. I think that there's a chance you could be successful off of that information. Yeah, for sure. And I think it never hurts to start there and then, you know, adjust if need be. But there's a lot of uh, chatter amongst whitetail hunters like, well, you know, we just don't have it that way where, where we're at. And it's like, yes, every spot is different, but they're still white-tailed deer, you know, they're still going to kind of have that general, you know, bedding to food pattern and little details too in between that you can pick up on, obviously. But at the end of the day, it's just a white-tailed deer. It doesn't really matter if it's in, in, in Iowa or in Maine or Florida. It's like they use edge, they got to feed on something. They like thick stuff to bed in. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Not that complicated. And I think that same attitude transfers over to shed hunting all the time because I get people doing the same thing that are like, yeah, you'll never find one in my state because I've never found one. And it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, maybe you're right. But I I think if there's deer there, I can find a shed. But it's just anybody likes to kind of project, you know, their failures and, and, you know, they want to think that everybody else is going to have the same problems they do one of me and my buddy's joke categories is like well in my area x y and z yeah. <laughs> it's like whatever man like i i mean sure i'm not gonna disagree with you completely but at the same time it's like it's just a deer right yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah. probably gonna be doing something similar yeah. to what they're doing everywhere else I've yeah been. you can make it as but. complicated as you want but it's i mean there's some general hard fast rules that that work for everything everybody's got the hardest turkeys to hunt oh, yeah. white tails to hunt mule deer to hunt we got the toughest elk our elk don't bugle yeah, don't our elk get yeah. pressured we got non-residents <laughs> it's like 
dude, the list goes on and on. Yeah, it's funny too because I've told people all that stuff about our elk in Utah. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> don't Google, man. They don't talk here on public. It's true though. Oh, dude, whatever it takes to kind of get guys to go check out the next right? state, right? Yeah, move on down to Colorado. That's the place I hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm sending guys right back yeah. over to Utah. So you know. <laughs> uh, yep. Um. So along the lines of like seeing trends with deer i think something that's also really interesting when i'm traveling to hunt is the hunting culture mm-hmm. and how it differs from one place to the next and it's pretty similar you know a, hunt, a hunter is a hunter kind of at the end of the day but there's definitely different hunting styles and things that uh stand out in certain places and i was curious if there's anything that really caught your eyes like wow that's that's unique or here they're doing it differently than there or whatever um yeah like i think at its core most of the people that i've i've spent time with they do have the same kind of a thing going on but like i noticed like the place and it could just be the property i was on in alabama but they're strictly rifle dudes and i know that that varies a lot you know person to person but that whole property is set up to rifle hunt it's shooting houses over ag and it's funny too, because, you know, talking to those guys, they're very, very opposed to baiting. Uh, they don't want to bait, even though I think it's legal where they are, they won't bait. Mm-hmm. They'll even run feeders in the off season just to supplement, but they'll never hunt them. They don't mm-hmm. sit over them, but then they'll sit over crop, you know, that's planted specifically to move <laughs> a certain way, which I mean, to me, it seems like a conundrum, but I, I guess to them, you know, that's just the way that they've done things. And, and I've noticed that, uh, you know, there's a lot of similarities in hunters, but the difference is too, like there's guys, you go to Texas, like you're going to sit on uh, a feeder. There's going to be protein there. There's going to be corn, you know, they're going to be cotton seed, all this stuff. They're doing everything they can to keep as many deer in that little area and coming in to check that bait every day that they can. And then there's these other hierarchy rules. It seems like, like, oh, we can hunt ag, but we're not hunting bait. Oh, I'm <laughs> standing corn, but I'm not going to hunt corn in a pile. You know, it's just it's funny to see the differences talking to these people. And then like shed hunting is funny too. Cause I think a lot of these people that I, that I show up and shed hunt with, they've seen our videos or seen my videos and they, they see me hiking around and they assume that's like how I want to shed hunt. So they're like, yeah, let's go hike. And it's like two or three times it's happened where we get to the end of the day and they're like, yeah, we usually just drive around. And I'm like, well, shit, we could have been doing that the whole time. Let's go. Like, I'm not opposed to riding around and picking them up. Like that's great. Too. Yeah. So, it's funny. I think something that's really interesting, kind of that difference between an Eastern guy and a Western guy is glassing for sheds. Yeah. It's like, hell yeah, that makes the most sense ever. If you can glass a whole hillside right. and just, you know, cut down a bunch of time. And the last several years hunting Western states, I've glassed up plenty of sheds yeah. now that, you know, I'm glassing more and I'm in those situations. But, you know, you think about finding a, a shed by glassing in the timber of, tennessee or something it's like well you know your odds go down significantly <laughs> you might as well leave your binos home <laughs> well with that being said though one of the things that also has been you know really important to me and in, in hunting and shed hunting is just checking mm-hmm. you know like yeah. what is that thing over there a, a funny little side story i was turkey hunting with my buddies Colin and Ben, and we were in you know, solid timber. Really, just had a stupid lucky, super fast one of those ones where everything falls into place. Turkey hunt. Yeah. Turkey's cruising down the ridge. We just cut him off. Called to him one time and pops up at like 15 yards. Perfect. Yeah, it was awesome. And we're standing there with the turkey and high five and then just super pumped. And I look over and Ben catches me and he's like, "Yeah, I saw that. I thought maybe that was a shed." And I'm like, well, did you glass it? And he's like, no. And sure enough, it's a, a shed laying right, you know, right next to where we just had this awesome turkey hunt. Yeah. So it's, you know, one of those ones that even though it was chewed up and a little old, you still take home because oh, you yeah. can put it, you know, with the turkey fan. It's a funny memory. And actually, I have a photo of me laughing, laughing with the camera, filming him holding the turkey with the shed sitting beside <laughs> us just because I was making fun of him for not actually glassing it. Yeah. You know, it's like moments like that make you realize it's always a good idea to check if you think you see one. Yeah, you know, totally. it's like if you think that could be one, either walk over there or glass right. it because you yep. never know. Yep. The binoculars save you so many miles too because, like, I think the majority, like, I do sit up in glass. I'll put my binos on a tripod for elk antlers, especially. 
but like they just save you that 20, 30, 50 yards where you're like, is that a stick or a shed? You just check and you're like, oh, it's a tiner and you know, it's just nothing. You keep walking, you don't have to go clear over there. So, I mean, that's 90% of what I'm doing is just check, check, check. Yeah. I think it's pretty underrated for, you know, even close range stuff. Oh, yeah. Like me and my buddy Jake, who's part of THP, we get made fun of a lot because we wear binos like all the time yeah. you know it can be in the middle of summer and we're shooting bows and like we're making you know 25 yard shots and it's like you know pulling out yeah. binos and it's i mean some people think it's ridiculous but yeah i i love binoculars i would say most days a field i would rather have binos than a weapon because i use those a hell of a lot yeah. more than i use my weapon sure, yeah, <laughs> They come in handy. It's funny. I was talking uh, to my buddy one time and he's a, he's a Nevada elk guide and he wears his binos 24 seven. I mean, never without them. And he was telling me that he was back on campus to do some college stuff. You know, he said he saw this girl walking across campus, said he noticed he was patting his chest, trying to find his binoculars before he realized he wasn't wearing them. (laughs) They could come in handy in all kinds of situations, you know? Yeah, dude. That's so funny. (laughs) That's pretty good story. The funniest thing about that too is that reaction of just like, mm-hmm. it's like instinct, instinctive going yeah. for them when they're not even yeah. there. I'll be driving and see a shed and I'm like, where are they? Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> what are some other underrated shed hunting tips? Because I feel like everybody's seen the article of like, you know, here's the conditions to look for and whatever. And I mean, it kind of becomes this cliche, like goofy, I don't know, same old, same old, but I feel like you've done so much of it. There's certainly things that you're thinking about that like I'm not thinking about having not done as much. Yeah. Especially like in the West and public land stuff. um, A lot of people will start at the road and then they're just motoring as fast as they can to get away from the road. Cause their assumption is all these deer and elk, they're not going to be close to the road stuff close to the road's probably been picked over. So they'll just straight line, you know, out to the ridges or wherever they might be headed. And I find so many antlers paralleling major roads because I feel like that stuff gets walked the least. And then I think Mm -hmm. the deer and the elk sometimes use it as a natural corridor or a barrier. So they'll get to that road and there might be a car there or something they don't want to cross. And so they'll just kind of parallel and wait for an opportunity or it just becomes a natural travel corridor for them or a fence line possibly. So paralleling roads and zigzagging like fence lines right along roads has produced a lot of antlers for me. And same kind of goes with like urban stuff. Um, some of the biggest deer antlers I found, I found in town um, where those deer come out of the foothills and they'll go feed around in people's yards sometimes. And there'll be like a random patch of trees or a random vacant lot. Uh, I think my second biggest deer antler ever I found in a vacant lot next to the hospital in our town, just walking a little fence line. So um, yeah, you don't have to go super deep back country and get away from everybody. There's, I feel like a space that gets missed in the easier stuff. Um, that would definitely be a tip though, is like pay attention to stuff close to the road. And then also, um, like when you're driving, like keep an eye on that fence line going down the side of the highway. And this isn't, that's not a safety tip because I have like almost wrecked many times <laughs> looking for sheds. But uh, I found a lot of antlers off the highways just driving around and you'll see a tine sticking up. You spend a lot of time backing up to look at sticks too. But I mean, definitely yeah, hunting them from the road. And then um, glassing can be super effective, um, you know, sit down. And when I glass for antlers, I set a timer on my phone for how long I want to sit there and make myself glass. Like if I'm in a good area, um, I'll try to sit there for an hour and I'll set a timer and I'm like, I'm not getting off the glass until this hour's up. If I don't do that a lot of the time, then I will uh, just lose interest and, and get bored with it. And then I'll just talk myself into starting hiking again. Yeah, there's probably a fine line there too where it's like you want a glass enough, but at the same time you probably don't want to get lost in the glass either because yeah. I feel like that's something that I, while hunting, constantly battle with where it's like, should I be glassing or should I be moving? Right. You know, do you stay or do you go? Yep. So it's like probably always a little balance there. For sure. Yeah. And there's times where like you look at it and there's nothing of sign or anything and you just kind of take off. But the other thing that I do is if I find a single that I want to match up, if I find like one shed, I drop my pack right there at the single and then I'll just mark it on X or something. 
And then it forces me to keep coming back because um, the thing that I'll do is I'll start zigzagging to find the other side of a buck or a bull, and then I'll get distracted by other good sign. And I'll never fully complete like what I wanted to and looking for the other half, unless I have a reason to come clear back to my pack. And then I'll be like, Oh yeah. Then I'll have to come back and hit that stuff again. So those are a few little tips and tricks. Probably by doing that too, though, you're coming at that area from different angles, mm-hmm. which may be why it's hidden from you from that original first antler or whatever is like all of a sudden now you can see it behind that tree or that log that you just couldn't see it before which a buddy of mine told me a long time ago and i was struggling at this point in my shed hunting career to find them and he was starting to really take off finding whitetail sheds like every time he's going out he's finding them it's eric barber he works for vortex i'm not sure if you know yeah yeah, he uh was telling me just look backwards, man. Yeah. Like just stop and turn around. And it's like crazy how that silly little tip has done a lot for my success finding sheds and just being patient when you get in those good areas too. Yeah. I think when I was younger, I would get so excited about finding the sign and I still do. And I still value shed hunting for that reason is you find the sign you break that sign down you say, okay, this is how the animals are using this area. And in the past, I would be so focused on setups and everything that I would just kind of blow through the good sign mm-hmm. and try to find that, that setup or whatever. Yeah. Well, now I still do that, but I just commit a little bit more time and chill out, relax and say, okay, let's just kind of go through here and look at it from different angles. And that's helped me a ton too, not just non-stop right. fast 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 like yep. i mean that can be good too like at a certain point too covering ground gives you more odds of putting eyes on something but if you're going too fast it's hard to see them i mean it they, is. i'm not great at it i'm getting better every year i think i'm a little bit better at picking them up but it's still a challenge out there yeah for sure it is and i think when you're going fast you can see elk sheds better you know obviously bigger it makes sense but so I'm, I'm trying to put down as many miles as I can for elk sheds, but I've noticed a lot like in the whitetail game, I'll even stop and stand there because there may be like a bunch of trails that run together. And I'm like, I got to look over here, I gotta look over here, over here. And you're looking for tines, you know, or a burr, just a piece of a main beam. So I find myself standing in one place for even a few minutes sometimes and just kind of like looking everything over well, because there's so many places you can miss them. Yeah. And I've actually had my best shed hunting experiences when I'm turkey hunting because I'm going so slow I'm stopping and listening I'm just checking my surroundings and I'm real observant then where I feel like sometimes when I'm you know out to specifically shed hunt or or scout or combo Mm -hmm. I guess it's always kind of a combo but I'm just sometimes head down just flying just moving out and I mean again there's pros and cons to that too but you know the best the best shed hunting or success for finding them is you hit those good spots and now it's time to just pump the brakes, do some zigzags, come at it from different angles, stop and look around for several minutes at a time, look back, all those things. Climb a tree, fly a drone, whatever, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Something that I really enjoy out of your content is you kind of, you kind of just call out the haters. (laughs) You call out the like the hard headed attitude that some folks have and, what do you say to people that say things to you like, you know, I've been shed hunting my whole life. I've never found a shed. You know, you're never going to find one here. It's, you know, we never find them. Like, what, what's your response to that in general? Um, to those type of people, like, I just, I like to clap back at people. And I try to make a joke <laughs> out of them, you know. And, and if I can do it in a way that doesn't go at them personally, you know. Like yeah. we had, I don't know if you ever seen our videos like chalk chucking where we'll like just take yeah. these elk antlers and just throw them off a cliff or whatever. People get so mad about it, you know, and, and that's where I get most of that response from people is like, man, I would have loved to find that. I've been looking for antlers for years and I can't even find one. And I always just tell people like, I gave you a 15 year head start that I haven't been sitting <laughs> on the ground for 15 years, man. You could have found it at any point, you know, or. <laughs> like I had another guy be like, man, my kid would have loved to find that shed. And I would just like be like, bro, I saw your kid. He ain't hiking up there. I, <laughs> I just like to give people crap in a way that they can laugh at it too, you know? Right. And it's not necessarily going after them. 
but you know, if people have legitimate criticisms and stuff, like I'm always happy to offer a few tips to anybody in the messages. And mm-hmm. most of the times it's dads trying to get out with their kids and they want to find some antlers and stuff. So I'm always happy to be like, nah, man, like I get it. Like I know, I know it can be tough and some areas are way tougher than others. So I don't mind taking a minute and just kind of like answering some messages about that stuff too. But mostly I just try to get them in the ribs a little bit. Dude, the, the throwing the chalk antlers and that, that cracks me up. <laughs> the one where you, it's you being different characters. Oh, yeah. You pop out from behind the tree <laughs> and you're like, hey man, my kid might have found that. And you, you look over <laughs> and you're on your knees. <laughs> Dude, that's just so hilarious oh. because keeping in mind that there are different places of the country that yeah. are significantly easier. Okay. And like what you're saying, Ben, about like, you go to Mississippi and you find that little shit or you find that spike in Arkansas and you're like, hell yeah, this is it. I think, you know, your perspective can change based off location totally. too. And that's okay. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like a lot of what I wanted to do with the shed tour is kind of just understand where so many people are coming from and, and the way they do things also showcase the way they shed hunt in other places. Mm-hmm. You know, plus like, I love the culture of shed hunting. That's one of my favorite things about it is just getting together with the boys. And, you know, for us, it's always a bonfire, you know, cooking a steak or cooking some hot dogs, or whatever, and just kind of, kind of doing it. But I like to get together with people and see how they do it other places and, and what the, the food's like and the culture of it. So I think understanding and, and like, I get it, man, I get people who, who can't find a shed or haven't been able to find one on public, you know, or hunt really hard places my buddy Austin that we hiked with in Arkansas, you know, like he puts in a lot of work for a few, a few whitetail antlers on public land. And, you know, I can understand him getting way excited over just what would be a normal antler. And, you know, in Texas, it was one you wouldn't even pay attention to. So it really is based off the location. And like a lot of the elk shed, you'll see us chucking and stuff or in the back country in Arizona. And we're so far back in there, you know, like six, seven, eight miles and you're packing your camp. And then you're also packing what few antlers you can bring out isn't going to be many. So um, if you're putting a chalk antler on your pack, all you're doing is hurting yourself. You're, you're limiting your miles that you're going to be able to do and you're making it so you can't haul out a, a brown or a nicer antler if you find it. So it's just kind of a, it's kind of a funny, a funny dilemma, but you know, and then when you smash it, it's just mostly to make people salty. I think it's so funny. <laughs> what you said about the culture of it is is just always been fascinating to me where it even plays into a little bit of the hunting interest, I guess, where like you go down into the southeast and it's pretty obvious that folks are more fired up about turkey hunting there than they are most places, where most places, on the other hand, are excited about hunting deer or elk or mule, whitetail or mule deer or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you go to the southeast places like Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, those, those states definitely have more, I guess generally speaking, more of an interest in turkey hunting. Yeah. But then you start uh, like going out there and turkey hunting and you start finding sheds and you start realizing too, like people just aren't probably doing this here. No, like, no. It, it because of the challenges that you know are unique to those areas like thick yeah. briary nasty timber where it's much more pleasant to go shed hunting in a place like i saw you're in nebraska yeah. iowa oh, yeah. those places are pretty cush you know you're just yeah. kind of walking down the edge and it's like oh there's one you know ho- where he hopped the fence on this muddy deer trail or yeah. like <laughs> kind of a no-brainer type of spot you know so it i think no matter what end of that perspective you're on just keeping in mind that there is another perspective out there would help everybody's like you know uh, frustrations with the other side of it i guess yeah that makes sense the other funny thing that you have content wise is your energy drink reviews what inspired that i just think it's so hilarious and like i don't remember the last time i bought an energy drink but i love watching your reviews it just cracks me up (laughs) i mean i kind of just got on a kick from uh dave portnoy barstool yeah uh, pizza reviews back in the day man i used to watch his pizza reviews religiously they were so funny and I, i was always been just like an energy drink freak like i just love them and uh I was just burning the midnight oil, driving all night, pounding energy drinks. So uh, I just started kind of ripping off Portnoy 
<laughs> trying to do my own style of it. But it's funny, man. You say that because I get messages like that all the time. People are like, I don't even drink these, but I love watching the reviews. And like those stories on Instagram get the most traction. Pretty much anything I do on Instagram now is energy drink reviews do the best other than like some reels and stuff. But Dude, I mean, if you guys aren't following Ben, you really should. And if you have a sense of humor that's, you know, pretty open-minded, I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> your, your reels, dude, just crack me up and it inspires me because you said at the very beginning your favorite thing to do is just make, you know, silly videos, just stupid stuff. And like at my core, that is my favorite yeah, thing too. Right. I just love that. And I think really is uh, the best way to get your creative juices sure. flowing. Yeah, man. People, people relate with it too and, and they get sick of the hardcore too. I mean, they're just like us. You know, there's a time and a place for it. And most of the time, like on a, on your lunch break at work, if you pull your phone out, you just want to laugh for a second. Right? Yeah. We all make these hunting videos that tell this story. And sometimes I feel when I review them down the road, like years later, it's like, man, I probably could have trimmed that all the way down to get the same story across and probably actually made it funnier. And I've been thinking about what you just said a lot where it's like lunch break I don't necessarily have time to sit and watch a 28 minute turkey hunting video, but I do have three minutes to watch a turkey hunting video that's just fun and fast paced. And if it's too serious, it starts to be like, that's not really even what I want to portray that memory as. Right. So, yeah, I think you're right, man. People like quick stuff that goes fast. I've always liked the idea of doing like shorter versions of shed hunts and stuff too, just for reels and, and, uh, they do well too. So it's a Mm win-win. Yeah, I guess if anyone's listening, feel free to reach out to both of us and tell us what you like because I feel like that always goes a long way. It's like if you like something specifically, it's super helpful. And to wrap everything up, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your content and uh, tell them, you know, where they can find your shed tour and everything like that. Sure. Yep. Uh, My Instagram is Shed Crazy. Um, I'm pretty active over there. Uh, And then... Uh, YouTube is shed crazy as well. Right now I'm doing two videos a week and I've got like four or 500 videos backlogged in the past there for your viewing pleasure. So that's the easiest places to find me. TikTok shed crazy. I don't really do a ton there. I uh, got banned for like a year, but I'm back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, those are the basic places, just social. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of there too. So if you guys have shed hunting stuff, questions, whatever, hit me up. Yeah. I'll put a link in uh the description as well i started following you i don't really even know how long ago but ever since it's been a total win man it's super entertaining stuff well i appreciate it i've been a fan of you guys for a long time too i remember when i when i started getting into whitetail hunting a few years back just binge watching everything that you guys had i think it was on prime or something and i just watched everything so that's awesome man well i appreciate it yeah Appreciate you coming on too. It's been super fun, fun to finally get a chance to talk to you. And, you know, I look forward to more conversations in the future. For sure, man. You too. Thanks for having me.